Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. The show reminding you that herbal's medicine is people's medicine, the kind that goes right out your back door. Right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network, we'll be right back. Join us in our circle. intro and song seems to be spinning, spinning, spinning and not playing. Occasionally this happens. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature. All right. We were having some issues with our upload and our songs there, which sometimes happens on Blog Talk Radio. No technology is perfect. All of our fantastic modern technology is great when it works, and every once in a while it does not work. But I see Susan is in the queue, and I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Welcome. Hi. Hi. How are you tonight? Doing well, doing well. And I can see some of the Great. buttons in the studio page, which is an online studio page for those who are curious. Uh, we're moving a little slow. So I just figured, okay, we're bypassing the opening song. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's a nice opening song. Very much so and by someone who's been Her name is Kellyanna. And... Find everyone. All the songs we have here on Mainstream Universe are people that have given us permission to use their songs, and I think just about all of them have been on the show or are going to be, so they gave us permission. Wonderful. I um, am sometimes a guest on a local radio show here called the Woodstock Roundtable. And it's kind of a talk show, goes on early Sunday morning. And it's been going on for, I don't know, 25 years, and I've probably been part of the Woodstock Roundtable for maybe 15 years. So a long tradition here. So uh, here it is, New Year, January. And I figure the host is going to ask me what he always asks me, which is, what kind of tips do you have to help us ward off colds and flu and by this point he knows my answers so well that he doesn't even wait for me to answer (laughs) he just goes ahead and answers because he knows what I'm going to answer which is sauerkraut and elderberry yes and I think we've talked about sauerkraut and elderberry you and I here on this show we definitely talked because about they, elderberry, and we maybe have breezed across sauerkraut as well. Yeah, because they're really simple. They're foods, so we don't have to worry about them. And they're 
actually proven to reduce the frequency and the severity of both colds and flus. So, how easy is that? What I uh, always say is just keep some sauerkraut in the refrigerator. And if you start to get into one of those situations, you know, we all know what it feels like when we're kind of starting to come down with a cold or a flu, where that virus is starting to, like, rumble around in our bodies. And it's right at that time that you really, you know, seriously get into eating that sauerkraut. It doesn't have to be a lot, even a tablespoon, as little as a tablespoon, a couple of times a day will make a big change in what happens. But the whole point of this story is <clears throat> that I didn't want to talk to him about sauerkraut or elderberries because that's what we talk about every year and like enough already. So I said to myself, come up with something different, Susan. Come up with something else that you can talk about here in the flu and cold season. Well, nothing, to tell you the truth, is going to be as good as elderberry or sauerkraut. So that's where we have to start, by talking about them and reminding people, just eat your sauerkraut, have some elderberry on hand, elderberry tincture, elderberry syrup, elderberry jam, whatever you want. But then, in addition to those things, you might want to consider some hibiscus. Oh, good. Yeah. Have you had hibiscus love tea? Love it. You I love hibiscus tea. Is that what you said? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> I was just concluding you speak. <laughs> yes, I love it. it uh, we sell it uh, in the store in bulk, and I love opening that container when it comes from the herbalist and just smelling that high, dark red hibiscus. When it comes in, it's it's fun. Isn't it, though? Oh, my gosh. It, it smells great. It looks great. It brews up into a really fast and delicious tea. And the American Botanical Council sent me a herb clip. Hibiscus decreases blood pressure to a greater extent than hydrochlorothiazide in Nigerian patients with mild to moderate hypertension. It goes on to say that the effect of hibiscus sabdarifa on blood pressure and electrolyte profile among hypertensive Nigerians as compared to the most common drug used to reduce blood pressure showed hibiscus to be more effective. Wow. And we're not talking about shooting up with hibiscus here. We're talking about what you and I are talking about, that hibiscus that you can go to your store and buy a nice little bag of hibiscus and chuck some in a teacup, pour some boiling water over it, add some honey to it, and drink it. Do you remember red zinger tea? Yes, very much. Red zinger is hibiscus, peppermint, and lemon balm. Or lemongrass or lemon verbena, whatever lemony thing you want. 
So you can also make your own red zinger. It was a good tea. I liked it. <laughs> Back before I was... It is indeed. Yeah. I'm trying to find I'm do- a lot of stuff here in this article. And I'm trying to find if they're going to reveal exactly how they took the hibiscus. I will say that my boss at the shop, who's a very nice lady, if she happens to be tuning in, made, because we have locally made kombucha, and she made a hibiscus kombucha that had the most beautiful, deep red color when you poured it into the like glass bottles. <laughs> it was just, it was, it it was is, impressive. I, I really enjoyed it. it. That <laughs> color is so great. What they found, they, they're they not going to tell us exactly how they used it. <laughs> they say hibiscus extract, and that could be anything. Extract is a really kind of uh, nonspecific word. It could be anything. It could be tincture. It could be tea. It could be something else. But they did note that it had a potassium-sparing effect. And this, of course, is one of the most important things about herbs. And hypertension is that the herbs that lower high blood pressure don't take potassium out of the body, whereas the drugs that lower blood pressure do tend to take potassium out of the body. And uh, they are pointing to the anthocyanins in the hibiscus as what they're going to follow up on in terms of the active thing. And an anthocyanin is a coloring compound. What did you say the kombucha looked like? A deep, beautiful red color. (laughs) Anthocyanins. What color is hibiscus tea? Red. Anthocyanins. So the thing that the scientists are pinpointing as being the important aspect, the active part of the hibiscus, is the part that's easiest for us to get, the coloring part of it. Hibiscus is related to marshmallow. They are both in the mallow family, hibiscus being the tropical representative and marshmallow being the temperate representative of the family. What makes the hibiscus different from the others, and not all hibiscus, but this particular hibiscus, the hibiscus sabidifra, is anthocyanins. This particular hibiscus is Red, And you would think, well, a lot of hibiscus flowers are red. But interestingly enough, and I don't know if you know this, what you're selling is not hibiscus flowers. I don't think I was aware of that. (laughs) Right, because it's often talked about as hibiscus flowers, and it kind of looks like hibiscus flowers. Yeah, they're little red pieces. But they're they're really hard, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're like a lot harder than any flower. So what it is is the calyx, 
which is the part of the flower that you see when the flower is in bud. So if you think of a rose bud, it's all green. And those green parts then open up, peel back away, and the rose blooms. But those green parts are still kind of there at the base of the rose, aren't they? Yeah. That's the calyx. So in this particular hibiscus, the flower, like all flowers, just kind of dies and falls off. But the calyx remains, and it's the calyx that's harvested because it is such a great source of anthocyanins, these pigment-producing substances in plants that do amazing things in our bodies. I look forward to sharing that at the store. I never gave it a thought. <laughs> Flower petals are usually so, you know, angelic and soft and, you know, blow away in the breeze kind of thing, and these are kind of hard little deep red-colored pieces. So, yeah, I, I guess I never really given that a thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they would, you would act, could actually hurt somebody if you chucked one of these at them. They're like, they're yeah. hard. And if you, look, if you look at them, you can see the little points. Of the calyx, too. Mm-hmm. Just like you can see them on, on the rose, where, the, where they separate out. And this is what allows it also to have what's called really good shelf life. You can store hibiscus for ages. And if it was a, really a flower, you couldn't do that, right? Right. Right, like even, you know, by the time it's ready for the next year's harvest of red clover, the red clover from last year is looking, let's face it, a little bit uh, exhausted. Right. All right. Calendula, expose it to the light, and it's gone. So the plants that we use, we were really actually using the blossom. We can see, as you're saying, that, yeah, the blossom just kind of like is not a really sturdy part of the plant. But the calyx, which, especially in the case of this particular hibiscus, is is very woody, is sturdy. How would you describe the taste of hibiscus tea? Oh, that's interesting. It's 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 kind of deep and red. It, it, it's. I almost want to think like I can compare it to cranberry or something. (laughs) Yes. Intensely sour. Yeah, it's a little sour. makes your mouth feel a tiny bit dry, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely perfect. Now, that sour taste, we've been saying, okay, big color anthocyanins, right? So they'd be in blueberries. Right? And all the stuff you hear about blueberries and how great blueberries are, it's all true of hibiscus, too because it has the same kind of compound, the anthocyanins. But the sour now directs us to yet another compound in the hibiscus, which is plant acids. And probably the most famous of the plant acids is ascorbic acid, which is also known as vitamin C. 
one of the teas that I really got into drinking in Germany when I was teaching in Germany was Hagebutte, which is half rose hips and half hibiscus. And that is a red fruity sour. You want some honey in it. Delicious tea. And it's thought there to stave off colds and flus because it is so rich in these plant essences. Rose hips, of course, are renowned for being rich in ascorbic acid. Versus buying a heavily extracted absorbic acid, right? Some vitamin C, it's like, we've found it. We've got it. It's absorbic acid. You know, I think it's better to get it in something as a dark red drink. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And our human need for it is, is quite small. So even though, um, you know, we say, oh, it's a good source, that doesn't mean we're saying it's like has huge amounts. But that's okay because we don't really need huge amounts of it. So hibiscus pairs up well. It plays well with others. And we have hibiscus. We talked about having hibiscus with mint and something lemony. And now we're talking about having hibiscus with rose hips. And hibiscus and elder are also good playmates. Something to me about drinking hibiscus that makes me smile. Mm-hmm. What do you oh, think? Oh, I agree. No, I, I agree. It, Go ahead. Is it the red color? <laughs> I think it has a very pleasant odor, too. I, I think it smells really good. Even even before you make it into a tea and after, it just adds an yeah. interesting... Oh, it smell, especially if you get a nice, you know, batch. Seems to keep the smell for a while, even on the shelf. Uh, <clears throat> yes, it's an herb that that can keep for a very, very long time. Well, I, you know, I haven't been able to track down or to find any studies that anybody has done to see whether hibiscus, like compared to a drug, actually lifts your mood. But I wouldn't be surprised if anybody wanted to study it to find that it actually had that effect. There's something about the smell, the taste, the look of it that makes me just settle a little more easily into, this is life, you know? Yeah, and And, it poured into, say, like a, a pretty little glass, clear glass tea glass. It, it looks, it's a very attractive drink, you know, so that, like there, there's also sort of a visual, we've got scent, we, of course the taste, maybe some people would, might want to combine that flavor with a little something else, like honey or something, but the whole package is just kind of pleasing to all of our senses in a way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you mentioned that it's a little bit astringent, a little mm-hmm. bit astringent, a little bit sour. And that's going to make us kind of involuntarily smile. 
just because it kind of tightens tightens our mouth and makes us go ooh. Yeah, exactly. Taste something. Say yeah. So we know that if you get people to like read something with a pencil, clench between their teeth, they'll find it funny because they're smiling. So I think hibiscus actually kind of like pulls the strings, makes you smile, and then you keep on smiling because it's such a pretty color and it's such a good taste. And I bring this up because people say to me that they feel gloomy in the wintertime. We talked about this a little bit before, about how this season people often feel stressed out around the holiday season. And kind of like, ugh, you know, then when it's over, they're just kind of like bummed out about it and, and, you know, struggling that it seems so dark outside. And so I think that hibiscus, um, while it certainly, you know, can help us uh, stave off colds and flu, I think it has a a deeper use in the wintertime, and that is to remind us that once the holidays are past, the longest night is past. It's all more sun, more sun, more sun from here. Although it's going to be colder, colder, colder. Right. But in terms of the light and really getting that that sun, it's like the hibiscus holds the sunshine for us all winter long so that, as you say, we can pour it into a beautiful glass and imbibe that sunshine, bring that warmth and that sun right into us. I I like that it's sour enough to encourage the use of honey because honey is one of the oldest of the herbal medicines. Yeah. So um, I like to see, especially in the wintertime, see people put honey in their tea. I think that it helps their throats stay strong and healthy. I think that it helps the mucus. It helps to sweep away the viral particles to stay strong and healthy. And that that honey should be seen not as an indulgence in our winter tea, uh, but as an actual medicine. And the the honey, with the sour taste of the hibiscus, um, is really stunning, really quite striking. Mm-hmm. Not like stirring honey into like mint tea or chamomile tea. There's a kind of transformation that happens in both the honey and the hibiscus. And they, you can imagine them, you know, kind of like dancing down the road singing together. And singers, um, you said the throat. Uh, opera singers and other people in training, they like honey in their drinks, especially Manuka honey for some reason. I don't know all of the science behind it, and it's kind of expensive, but... Honey's encouraged in their warm drinks, like for people that do serious singing. Exactly. Exactly. I like to save those expensive honeys, the Manuka honey, and I have some Reiki honey here, quite interesting honey. I like to save those just to lick a little bit off a spoon for my throat, and uh, because the the heat really changes the the flavor um, characteristics of uh, the honey. But, you know, a nice... A nice honey. The more medicinal honeys are darker, and they may not taste as good in your herbal teas, and especially uh, not taste as good in your hibiscus tea as well. Buckwheat, maybe? 
Exactly. Buckwheat is, you know, like the American version of Manuka honey in, yeah, its, it's, in its own way. Um, and not the kind of thing that you would want in your hibiscus. It just, I would not, um, I think, make you smile the way we're talking about getting a smile Probably not. there. A little bitter for a honey. <laughs> it's a little something. Right. Ooh. <laughs> but, but a good cough medicine, a lot of people say, they say it's great for as a natural cough medicine. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Okay. This, this one right here. Hibiscus also decreases spasms in the stomach and the intestines. And is used in tropical areas where it grows to kill both bacteria and parasites. Ah, good. I thought so. I have an article on hibiscus, and I thought, I think I referenced... um, a study that actually told us what they used. They used three cups of tea a day. That's not a lot to lower blood pressure. They also reduced cholesterol 15% within 30 days for 75% of those who drank Roselle tea. They're not specifying how much a group of diabetic women who drank a cup of hibiscus tea morning and night for a month reduced their cholesterol by 10% and improved their blood sugar ratings. A control group drank black tea and they didn't show the changes that the hibiscus tea group found. Metabolic syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? Um, Yes, I think I have. Yeah, it's kind of this esoteric kind of disease because it's not really a disease. It's it's kind of this cluster of things and they say that it kind of sets you up for everything else. And a lot of people have metabolic syndrome because basically it means you're a modern person eating a modern diet. People with metabolic syndrome, this is probably you, listener, significantly reduced their total cholesterol, their LDL, and their total glucose after drinking two cups of hibiscus tea daily for one month. Their triglyceride to HDL ratio was reduced, and their insulin resistance was also reduced. Do, 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 do. All right. Go hibiscus. What's not to love about hibiscus? It's good for us. It tastes good. It smells good. It's not harming anything at all. We're talking about a part of the plant that would, in fact, just fall off if we didn't harvest it. And let's go back to the beginning where I said that it was a member of the mallow family. It's related to marshmallow. And thus, 
as a member of the Mallow family, it has been used worldwide to help those kind of mallowy things that need to be soothed. Loss of appetite, respiratory tract infections, stomach aches, phlegm in the chest, sinus drainage, and to really improve bowel function. Now, one of the things that we are learning is that plants like hibiscus often have polyphenols, which are water-soluble compounds, very important health-wise, and especially those polyphenols can feed the gut flora that keep us well. And not just keep us well, but make us feel well as well. In Africa, roselle has been used for centuries. And it's used primarily to relieve spasms, especially in the the core of the body, uterine spasms, um, intestinal spasms, as an antibacterial, as a diuretic, and for its ability to help rid the body of infections and parasites. So drink up your hibiscus and enjoy the winter. You'll enjoy a whole lot more health from drinking your hibiscus. And uh, you can go back to work and sell hibiscus this week, huh? That's right. (laughs) And I bought some for my friend who I talked about earlier who I also bought some mother's wort tincture for him because he... Ah, oh, how wonderful. Yeah. He's trying to get off yeah. a blood pressure medication, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah. he will. Yeah. He, yeah. Ab- he absolutely will. He can look up these studies. Hibiscus does it better. Oh, good. And he sometimes, he, he does he can, listen. He probably will hear this. (laughs) Yes. So, again, the first study that I was reading is from the American Botanical Council, and it's their little news service called Herb Clips. And if you know anybody who's a member of ABC, and I bet you do, um, they can get that Herb Clip and they can download that specific study for you. But there's lots of them out there because this is not just a a one-off kind of thing. Um, Over and over again, we have been able to see that hibiscus does it better than any drug for mild to moderate hypertension. Nice. Yeah. Not only that, yummy. Yes. (laughs) And pretty. (laughs) And pretty. Well... We have another week's vacation coming up. I know we've just had two weeks' vacation, but I'm on my way to Costa Rica tomorrow morning. And I will be back in two weeks. So two weeks from tonight, I will be with you. That's the 19th, but I won't be here next week, the 12th. I will be with the hibiscus. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right? All right, well, thank you. Talk to you in two weeks then. Green blessings, everybody. Remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine, especially when you can just walk right outside and pick it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I want to mm-hmm. remind everybody there's a link to Susan Weed's books if you want to check them out on this show page, or what I sometimes call the marquee page. It's there. It's always blue linked there. Have a great evening. 
You've been listening to Green Magic. Green Magic. Forbidden archaeology. Forgotten history. Divination. Magic. Cryptozoology. UFOs. Nature. Science. And spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Let's 